Our scripture reading today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, um, verses 1 through 11, the resurrection of Christ. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed it in vain. For I delivered, you, uh, for I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed." This is the Lord's word for us this evening. All right, well, good evening, grown-ups. It's good to have you here with us Christmas Eve. Uh, and good news, uh, tonight is both Christmas Eve and Resurrection Sunday, so uh, you get your card punched twice tonight. Uh, we are in the midst of this series, uh, Untangling Jesus, uh, in 1 Corinthians. And so I thought it would be interesting and fun and uh, maybe something you hadn't thought about before to smash both Resurrection Sunday and Christmas Eve together because that's where we ended up in 1 Corinthians. Uh, and so uh, if you haven't been with us, just to catch you up, uh, 1 Corinthians is a letter written to young followers of Jesus uh, who have never heard of anyone following Jesus before. They're the first ones. And so they have a lot of questions and they're confused about a lot of things about what does it mean to follow Jesus. If this thing that Jesus invites us into is life-changing, then how does it change my life? How does it change how I think about myself or uh, the people around me or the community that I belong to or, or, or my desires or my thoughts? And so Paul is untangling Jesus for them through this long letter. We've been walking through all of that since September. Uh, and now in chapter 15 is really kind of his last argument. And he, he comes to what he calls the most important thing. Uh, and he begins talking about a tradition. Uh, and chances are you probably have some traditions around this time of year. Right? There's some things that you always do. And I'm going to ask you maybe what, what's some of those traditions that you do? And if kids, if you have a tradition that you love doing, I know you're eating a candy cane right now, but what are the traditions that you do? What are some of the things that every year you do? Christmas cookies, love it. Presents, what was that, Pearson? Christmas tree. What else? Ornaments, awesome. Does anybody like have a traditional meal? Like great grandma taught me how to make this, and this is our Christmas Eve meal, or anything? Maybe not great grandma, but yes. You see, the traditions is weird because, you know, we get to this season and we become very traditional kind of people, 
It's always the same movies that we watch. It's always the same music that we listen to. It's always the same Christmas cookie recipes that we pull out. There's something about this time of year that makes us uh, long for what traditions offer us. Because the best traditions keep us connected to who we are. They keep us connected to where we came from. They help us remember, okay, this is, this is how my family did things growing up. This is, this is what matters most. This is who I am, and this is where I fit in the world. The best traditions do that. And when we lose sight of that, uh, traditions get a little stale, right? It's like, oh, why do we always do this? Why do we always make cookies in a certain kind of way? Why do we always decorate the tree with these kind of ornaments? They look really old now. When we lose sight of what the tradition means, uh, we start to lose that connection to what it means and what it matters to us. And that's what's happening in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, These followers of Jesus, even though they've kind of just started following Jesus after, uh, in the past couple of years, they've started to kind of wonder, what really is this thing all about? Uh, What is this Jesus thing all about? What is this Christianity thing all about? Maybe you've wondered a similar kind of thing. Say, I don't really know what it means to follow Jesus. I don't really know what he's all about. And, And it seems really confusing. Uh, Maybe like you're here Christmas Eve because Christmas Eve going to church is the tradition, but you're just kind of here and you're just waiting for like presents afterwards or the cookies or whatever's coming, right? We kind of lose sight of what really matters behind why we do the things that we do. And so Paul invites them and reminds them of what is the most important thing. And so he's going to show us this tradition that is actually the oldest tradition as it relates to Christmas, Before the story that Luke writes about shepherds and angels, before the genealogy that Matthew writes, Paul actually writes this first. We don't have a gospel story yet at this point. People have been talking about it, but this is actually the earliest tradition that we have of what was the most important thing for followers of Jesus. And so what does Paul say if you look in it in Matthew, or sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15? He says, I want to remind you of the gospel. That word gospel is good news. The same words that angels use when they announce the birth of Jesus. There is good news that is happening. And so this gospel is this tradition that Paul says he delivered to them, verse 3, as the first importance or the most important thing, which he says he also received. And so this message, this good news has been passed from person to person to person and now has come To them, this tradition now lives on. And what is that tradition? If you have it open in front of you, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, he says this, I delivered to you as of first importance, the most important thing, nothing else is more important than this, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. Paul says this is the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. This is the most important thing of all the other things that you can get. This is primary, that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. Now, here's what that means for you. Belief, we talk a lot about believing, right? What does it mean to believe in this? Belief in the way of Jesus is different than how we tend to think about believing, especially around this season. We tend to think, like, like there's that Josh Groban song from the Polar Express, like, there can be miracles if you just believe. You all know that song? It moves you. You'll cry every time. There can be miracles if you just believe. You see, sometimes in this season, we talk about believing, uh, and it can be about believing in the magic. 
or, or, or the feeling of the season. And oftentimes, that's how we think about belief. And so then when we think about, okay, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? It, we think, oh, I have to feel a certain way about Jesus. Or, or I, have to, I have to believe that there's a certain magic around Jesus. That, that's what it means. That belief is about my feelings about Jesus. But Paul actually says this, that believing in the way of Jesus is not about a feeling. It's not about a, a magical kind of thing. That this belief begins with an event. And that event is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Now think about the difference between believing in an event and believing in your feelings of Christmas spirit. Those are very different factors, very different ways of believing. Oftentimes we think I have to feel a certain way, but Paul is saying this, no, an event happened that changed the course of history forever. And these are the essentials of that event. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born into our world. That he died for your sins. That he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. And he even says this, if you aren't sure about this, talk to the people who are there because they're still alive. The eyewitnesses of this event. You see, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is one of the most well-documented events in human history. And so Paul is saying this, believing in this is about believing in the event. But like every tradition and every event, he kind of gives us, what does this then mean? What does this event mean for you and me? And so he gives us three statements about this event. He says this, this, that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. So the first thing, the first meaning of this event is that Jesus dies for our sins. You see, this is why Christmas matters. Because each one of us has accrued this debt. All of our errors and all of our issues and all of our brokenness has accrued this debt. You might be thinking about the debt that you have coming in January from the gifts that you bought. Right? We've kind of gotten this debt. But Paul and the followers of Jesus say the reason why Jesus came was to pay that debt, was to substitute himself for that debt. And this is why Jesus has to be born, fully God and fully human, so that he can represent you, so that he can be a substitute for you. And where you and I err, he never errs. Where you and I are selfish, he was never selfish. Where you and I are proud and arrogant, Jesus is humble. And so he lives this perfect life, the purpose being, so that he could die for your sins and pay that debt in full. And so he says this event means first and foremost that Jesus was born, the purpose of his life was so that your sins could be paid for and that you could be given a fresh start. The second thing that he mentions about this event is that Jesus was buried according to the scriptures. Now, that's kind of a weird thing to include in there, right? You think, okay, we gather on Good Friday to celebrate the death of Jesus. We gather on Easter Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But what do you do on Saturday? Why would he include the fact that Jesus is buried? You see, if there's any doubt that Jesus was fully human, Paul says, no, his body was dead and cold in the ground. He was buried. And the good news of that is that means, you know, sometimes I think we, got, we want God to do things really quickly. We want God to fix your problems really quickly. But one of the things that Paul is teaching us here in this tradition that Jesus was buried was that sometimes it feels like God's not doing anything at all. Sometimes it feels like God has died, that God's not answering your prayers, that he's left the building and he's left you all alone. But what Paul is saying is the fact that Jesus is buried means that even when it feels like God's not moving, he is doing something. Even when it feels like all your hope has dried up, God has not given up. 
And so Jesus is buried. That means he fully and completely embraces your pain, embraces your heartache, embraces your grief. For a whole day, Jesus' human body is cold in a grave. And yet that does not stop God from working. So you might be here this, this evening, you're barely hanging on to any kind of hope or belief in God. That does not stop God from working. And even if it feels like he's abandoned you, Jesus was buried and yet God wasn't done. And this leads to the third meaning of this event, that Jesus rose from the dead in accordance with the scriptures. Paul says it was the plan all along that Jesus would be born so that he could die for your sins. That Jesus would be buried so that he could fully, completely take on your pain, your grief, and your heartache so that he could rise again on the third day, telling you that nothing can stop God from working. Nothing can prevent God from doing what he wants to do in your life and in my life and in our world. And if you think about it, if that is what this event is all about, that changes everything. That's not just a personal private event. It's not just a personal private feeling. This is an event that changes the course of human history. Because when else has someone died and come back from the dead? And been seen, as Paul says, by over 500 people, most of whom are alive. See, Paul says, of anything else that you can get, of anything else that you can understand about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to have your life transformed by him, Paul says, this is it. That because Jesus rose from the dead, new life is possible. And not just like new life after death, but now, in this world, in this reality. That Jesus didn't die and said, guess what guys, I'm going to rise again in heaven. He died and he rose again right in front of them. Which means that everything has changed in this event. Because no one else has ever done that. So this is the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is the heart of what it means to be transformed by Jesus, is that you have been given a new resurrection life when Christ pays for your sins. And if you believe in this event, if you believe in what he has done, that's then applied to you, and you are raised to life. And this leads to the good news of the good news. Because if you look at what Paul says, you might think, that's great news for someone else. It's great news for my grandma. She's a saint. She's been in church since she was three. But me, my story, resurrection can't come to me. Paul says, he appeared first to Cephas. Now, that's a fancy way, a different language of saying Peter. And Peter gave up on Jesus, betrayed Jesus, lied about Jesus, and turned away from Jesus. And yet Paul says he was the first one that Jesus wanted to show up to. He goes down through the rest of the list of all these people, like the disciples who ran away from him were next. Then these 500 brothers and sisters, and then he gets to himself and he says, last of all he appeared to me. For I am the least of all the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. See, what he's saying is this, that believing in this news, it doesn't require anything of you. It simply invites you to receive that news. And Paul says, this news was given to me, and I gave that news to you. What are you going to do with that news? 
You see, this whole event of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is about the grace of God towards you. Another word for grace is gift. That he is giving you this opportunity for a fresh start, for a resurrection life. When you believe that he died for your sins in the event of his death, when you believe that he rose again in the event of his resurrection, this news comes to you, you receive it, and your life is transformed forever. That's it. There's not a long path. There's not an application process. There's not a background check. It comes to you. God's grace comes to you. He says, if you receive this, your life will be transformed forever. And so you might be here tonight and you think, I stepped into church and I'm just waiting for the place to catch on fire. Just waiting for the lightning bolt. I'm just waiting for the judgment. I'm just waiting. The good news is this. And Jesus was born so that he could die for your sins. He was buried to completely pay for your sins. And he rose again so that you could be given a fresh start. Even you. Because if Paul, who's a murderous persecutor of the church, gets this grace, then so do you. If you're here tonight and you've received this news, don't ever get over it. Don't ever get over the event that God, the creator of the universe, took on human flesh to become a helpless infant so he could live a perfect life for you, die in your place, be buried and rise again so that you could know resurrection life. So my prayer for you this evening and tomorrow is that it would be a celebration of resurrection. That God has brought life to you. And he wants you to share that life with others. Let me pray for us. God, we're gathered together because we have received this news. Begins with good news of great joy for all people pronounced by angels to shepherds. It continues with the good news that Jesus proclaims and the event of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for us. And so, God, we are people of the event, people of the event that Christ has changed everything. And so, God, for the one who's here tonight, and it's just an old tradition, they're over it, they're just here to please somebody. God, would you open their eyes and their ears and their heart to receive this news? And God, would we be people of this news, this resurrection news that God is on the move and that he is bringing us to life so that we can bring others to life as well. We pray all this in the name of the crucified and risen Jesus. Amen.